good afternoon, good morning, good night, and goodbye. I don't really know how to start. You could be listening any time of day, and if you are listening, you're listening to Witch Car Weekly, the weekly podcast that looks back at all things automotive in review over the last seven days. My name is Daniel Gardner, and as is typical, I'm joined in the studio at the Bauer Media offices by two fabulous individuals. This week... This week, actually, I wasn't here last week, was I? So three fabulous individuals this week. I am joined by, of course, a regular and, of course, the anchor of last week's show, uh, Scott Newman, associate editor of Motor Magazine. Hello. I hope I did you proud, Dan. You did. I listened intently, and I basically I'm out of a job, aren't I? That's the most. Well, you were sacked last week, so maybe it's maybe it's become real. Still fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> It's nice to know there's someone who can fill these <laughs> tiny shoes of mine. Uh, and sitting to his immediate stage left, the fabulous Chris Thompson, and I'm going to say staff writer for Motor Magazine. Digital journalist. That's all right. I'll introduce myself, Scott. <laughs> Digital journalist, yes. So, What does that mean? Does that mean you use your fingers to write with? I, yes, I only use my fingers okay. as opposed to the normal way of typing. He just uses one finger. <laughs> yes, as opposed to like a bloody stump. <laughs> oh, oh, Which is the way you run at Witch Card, doesn't right, it? Yeah, this right. is off to a they're start. furiously bashing out stories. On today's show, we will be looking at all of the exciting things that came out the Geneva show. We'll also be talking about silly car names and thinking of our favourites. Uh, Scott gets into some very sexy British hardware. And I will be talking about something called the 2019 Witch Car Auto Games. Ooh. But before we get into that, let's get straight into the news. Mazda has announced it will slot in, I love saying that, a new model to its already fairly full lineup, and it's going by the name of the CX30. It's amazing how many niches. I mean, back in the day, you thought you'd just make an SUV. We have an SUV in our range. Yeah, and everyone goes, wow. And then everyone, they said they needed a small and a medium and a large SUV. Yeah. Like, well, okay, I can kind of see that, you know, small and then five seats and seven seats. But now there's, how many SUVs can one have? Apparently many, according to Mazda. Clearly, it's actually getting to the point now where perhaps some manufacturers may have more SUVs than they do sedans and conventional passenger cars. Certainly in the case of Jeep. Yes, absolutely. And Ford, who in America, who stopped selling all their sedans. Absolutely right. So the, the, the model in the spotlight today is the CX-30. Now, this has gained particular attention because it's a, it's a, a complete departure from its normal naming uh, system. Absolutely. So normally we've had uh, just a three hard up, or sorry, a number hard up to the Mazda brand, mm-hmm. or we've had a, a CX, a, a C. No, an X. What is it? A CX. So what, we've I think, got a, yes. what I think Dan is attempting to say <laughs> is basically CX means a Mazda SUV, and the bigger the number, the bigger the SUV. You've so this is huge. Three, CX. Yes. No, the bigger well, the number, the bigger the SUV. Well, thirty. Yeah, well, it's thirty. This is a huge. Number. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So we've yeah. gone from CX. No, but normally, well, normally, yeah. Essentially, where it should be, because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't research this one very well at all, did it's, we? No, we did. Mazda has a CX three and a CX five. No CX-4, so everyone said, oh, this will be a CX-4. And then Mazda said, here's our CX-30. And everyone went, oh, what? <laughs> but it's because they sell us, they do sell a CX-4 already in Did China. Oh. So that's why. The reason it's not called CX-4 is they already sell a CX-4 in China. But See, we did do our research. Well, I we did, Scott yeah. did. <laughs> no, you, no. I mean, I knew that, Chris. <laughs> Come on. Um, but surely this, you can call things a different model specific to a nation. 
So it certainly wouldn't be the first time that a manufacturer has brought a model here that isn't somewhere else in the world. Yeah, I mean, someone in Melbourne isn't going to Google and purchase a CX-4 online only to find they've got to pick it up in Shanghai. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would oh, be really inconvenient. inconvenient. Yes. <laughs> Where's your nearest dealer? Oh, it's in Guangzhou or something. <laughs> And you get a half a star crash rate. <laughs> That's right, yes. Oh, damn it, I want to take it back. <laughs> so have they justified the, the reasons for calling it a CX-30? Oh, not really, I don't think. But, no, this, you is, know, this is what's so annoying about will it. Will anyone care? Well, we do. Yeah, but like anyone who's actually going to buy one. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's talk about the car instead. No, wait, no. Uh, no. Okay, well, let's please. Let's, yeah. let, let, no. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's I, want, great I want to mention one thing, is that part of it, uh, pricing and specification is not yet announced, um, but apparently it's going to push, be part of Mazda's uh, push-up market. It's premium push. We saw this with the new three pricing. They've basically made their cars more expensive. Their main selling car more expensive, and it looks like they're going to do the same with the CX-30. Oh. Is Mazda a premium brand do you think they can pull it off i see what they're doing so if they put a zero on the name they can put a zero on the price that's as well. right is that what they're it's doing it's going to be well. three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> right okay what has it got under the bonnet this is going to be fantastic <laughs> so really is that what it comes down to i'm sorry to be so simplistic and just petty about this but really so they think that by adding a zero onto the name that, that suddenly is going to impart some sort of i don't know about that value. it's just that it feels like it feels like, like with the AMG, G, uh, AMG GT, totally different sort of car, but they made the AMG GTS and then they made the AMG GTR and they're like, we want to now a model in between it. And they went, oh, we forgot to leave ourselves a letter. <laughs> so then they came out with the AMG GTC. Right. So very confusing. They do get themselves, manufacturers do get themselves in this pickle every now and then of, especially when there's niches to play with, it's... Um, I yeah. love playing with a niche. Do yes. we know enough about <laughs> this car to, to actually tell whether it is premium? If it is, it, it justifies perhaps a, a higher price tag? Not really as yet. I they mean, it's going to... Because Mazda 3, I guess, is the first model in this new push. Maybe, you know, stuff like the CX-8, but hmm, possibly not. Um, so well, I guess we'll see. I mean... It seems weird, though, in such a price-sensitive market. It's so competitive, that mid-size SUV market. Um, same with the small cars. I mean, it's a topic for another day, but same with the Corolla. Like All these small cars have now pushed their prices up and gone more design-led. Is that really what the market wants? So we'll see. I would say in Australia it certainly is. I mean, mm -hmm. you know what our customers like are here. Oh, sorry, our customers? I don't our sell customers. cars. Stop it. <laughs> um, or perhaps I do, arguably. You know the nice things I say about them. Ooh. I promise I'm not on commission if anyone's listening. <laughs> Media Watch. Um, yeah, no, Australian customers typically do like premium high-end stuff. Like yes. If, typically, if you look at a lineup that's pretty sort of uh, lean in Europe or the US or Japan, it won't come here. You'll, you'll get the far more high-end, high-specification. I have a fresh goodies. stat on that. Please. Oh. We love the, statistics. The, the Kia probably... Stinger. Yes. You know, we're aware of the Kia Stinger. Yes. There's yes. six models in that range, but 92% of them are being sold are the top-of-the-range V6 GT. Really? Is that two percent? That's that is many. That's amazing, and I mean that's, a, that's just to illustrate your point. I, I love it when Scotty comes armed with facts. Yeah, facts. Facts can be very sexy. Scott, Scott, thank you. Scott's our numbers man. At numbers Magazine. man. <laughs> uh, so, any other manufacturers that have done silly things with naming nomenclature and naming systems? Chris, Audi is the first one that comes to mind. Yes. The recent change to. Choosing numbers between thirty and seventy, I think it is. They just basically picked them out of a hat. Didn't basically, they? yes, it feels like that. Does anyone here know that 
know what the number... I know that 55 TSI... 55 means the Turbo V6. Sure. Uh, it's. I thought it came down to the power. It figure, does. Not oh. the engine. Yeah, it does. So okay. it's the it's the power range in which that yeah that that vehicle produces. So fifty five represents. I I don't know these. I'm not as good as you, Scott. I, I do not come armed with figures. But it represents a particular yeah band of power. So thirty is the least powerful versions. It's sort of like under a hundred kilowatts to just over. I think. I think so. Yes, they still use the badge like TSI TD. Uh, all they of do. those. But that's yeah. the thing. The number then doesn't. Correspond signif- correspond to a power figure. It just corresponds to the lowest power grade in that. It corresponds range. to a range of power between certain. And then if you if you get make more than say two hundred and fifty kilowatts, it goes to sixty. Um, now I'm going to defend Audi on this. Initially, I okay. thought it was stupid and I hated it, but I've had time to go into a small hole and think about it with some supplies, and I've come out emerged, and I feel much better and at ease with the system because all the time. Uh, power figures are, are changing. The outputs from particular engines are, are generally on the up. Um, the the one that this is really bitten is BMW. Uh, see, previously you used to be able to say, well, if it was called a BMW 530, it was a 5 Series with a 3 litre in it. Yes. But then they said, oh, actually, no, we don't want to do that anymore because a 3 litre produces way more than it used to and a 2 litre makes as much as a 3 litre does now. So we're going to call all the 2 litres 3 litres. And it doesn't make any sense suddenly. Yes. So yes. Audi has said, we're not making this correspond to engine size or anything at all. It's not misleading. It's just how much power it makes. Whether it makes it from an electric motor, whether it makes it from a normally aspirated engine or a turbocharged engine, it just makes that amount of power. Yeah, there's and I, logic in that. I admire that simplicity. Why can't they just put all of the specifications in the name? Just say it's a V6 that makes this much power and that's the car's name. Do you? I thought for a second, then, because what you're going to say is you want it to be like this massive pack of stickers that goes on the boot. <laughs> that entire specification yes. list in the name. <laughs> Or I love I, that idea. Hello, I'd like an Audi A6 3 litre V6 TFSI, 220 kilowatts, 450 newton meters, please. The manufacturing We've price. It. The manufacturing price for badges goes out the roof for most companies. So there you have it, the Mazda CX30, perhaps marking the start of more high-end premium uh, efforts from Mazda, hmm. um, and we can quite happily predict them all now. I'd say within the next few years, few years, there's going to be a CX90. There's yeah. also going. That's going to be very confusing, isn't it? Because, of course, Volvo has something that sounds very similar to that. Yes. Mm. Yes, a CX90. So we're going to have an XC90 and a CX90. Yes. For those who poor, those dyslexic people who walk into a Volvo showroom, they're going to come out with a Mazda. I don't know if they have Mazdas <laughs> at Volvo showrooms. And that seems a very convenient spot to move on and say, no, they're not. Scott. <laughs> okay, right. Sorry. Coming up later in the show, we are going to talk about a pair of very, very high-end, almost completely unachievable uh, coupes. From England. Did I say that? I did say that earlier. And a little bit later after that, we're going to talk about something I've been doing over the last three days involving recreating some kind of Olympic spirit in the most non Olympic segment of them all compact SUVs. That's a little later. Before then, we are talking Geneva show cars. Gentlemen, you'll notice that we have the, the, the notable absence of one of our regular presenters on Witch Car Weekly, which of course is the lovely Andy Enright. Mm-hmm. He's not here because he's on his way back, if not has just arrived back from Geneva Show. He was our lone representative this year. Interviewing all the big wigs. He's come back with some great stories. He has, Before we go into some of the cars that we saw there, his great scoop was that um, uh, was it Oliver Bloom of Porsche? Mm-hmm. Well, no, hang on. No, no, no. Lies. Uh, he came up with some great secrets from Porsche, but the big one was that seven-speed manual for... Don't leave me hanging. Yeah, like Aston Martin. Yes. Yes, Aston, yeah. the uh, Vantage. That's Getting right. A uh, seven-speed manual. So you quite literally Excellent. heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. Weird. Although Andy Farmer told me that like a year, 18 well, months Well, why ago. didn't you oh. write it then? I did. Did you? 
Yeah, I think so. All right. If you anyway. if you're listening to Which Car Weekly, can you just just fast for, no, rewind and then not listen to the last <laughs> no, minute no. and a half? No, it wasn't confirmed at the time, and it didn't. We didn't know it was going to go in the Vantage. It just sort of seemed like the obvious choice, but um, it's still very good. And he came up with heaps of other stuff like hybrid 911 stuff. Go to the Witch Car website and look at Andy's stories because he interviewed the boss of Lamborghini, the boss of Aston, uh, the big wigs at Aston Martin, uh, the boss of Porsche, and came up with some amazing stuff. It was a veritable who's who mm. that, as you quite rightly say, you can find out all of the goss in all great detail on witchcar.com.au. But let's cover some of the big things that came out of this. Now, uh, someone I can see from here, um, Chris's uh, weeping fingertips from all of the typing he's been doing, trying to get all these stories out as they emerge from Geneva. <laughs> Geneva's a great show because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the manufacturers reserve all their sexiest hardware um, for this particular show. Take us through it, Chris. What are some of your highlights? Usually they do, but... Oh. Well, this year there was a lot of really interesting, really awesome stuff that came out. But we were watching sort of the uh, streams of all of the reveals and we were waiting for the performance car or the really sexy car to come out and then an electric car would come out or an electric van would come out. Yes, that's true. It seemed like you could only produce two sorts of cars at Geneva this year. And I do wonder if it's a a preview of the industry going forward. You either had a bazillion dollar hypercar or you had an electric car. Of some description, so <laughs> yeah, there's no middle ground, nothing in between, which makes sense with these new CO2 average rules, isn't that if you want to sell really sexy million dollar supercars, you have to sell a lot of electric vans, SUVs, small cars, blah 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 blah. blah. This is probably an opportune moment for me to um, perhaps remind you guys of a T-shirt that you printed. A few years ago now. Electricity is for toasters. <laughs> yes, please. And I saw someone wearing one of those the other day. Oh, really? Would you beha- I'm giving you the opportunity now, semi-live on air, to retract that statement. No. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Scott. <laughs> I have to, uh, I think Andy and I are going to have an argument on a future podcast about, he's actually quite on board the whole performance EV revolution. I think it's stupid. I love electric cars in their, spa- in their space. I love electric cars as like a practical, everyday, quiet car, but I have, don't think they have any place as a performance car. All so. right. I, we, I'm very happy to revisit this. That's a topic for a later Yes, day. and it's probably not going to be that much later. <laughs> but anyway, we'll come back to that. Chris, please carry on. Okay, so as Scott mentioned before, bazillion dollar hypercars, the most expensive car in the world new sold now is a Bugatti. It is, and pardon my French, La Voiture Noire. That just means a black car. It means the black car, yes. And it's based on a Type 57 Atlantic that went missing from, you know, during World War II that they built one. It was one of four, and basically they said, they teased it weeks weeks in advance and said, this is an amazing car. Uh, Also, Geneva's coming up. Mm, Maybe put two and two together. And then they revealed this car, which is... Basically, just a different-looking Bugatti Chiron. Yes, yeah, so it's basically a rebodied Chiron inspired by the Type Fifty Seven Atlantic. So, I mean, you didn't need. If I knew nothing about this car, I could tell you that's what it was. Because let me just let me just go through in my mind Bugatti's repertoire and its platforms. It's got at its disposal right now. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, it's so right. it's not exactly got. <laughs> it hasn't got a massive from. back catalogue to choose from either. Exactly. So um, it's pretty so safe, safe to say. Sold it for. 16.7 million euros, which is although nearly 27 million dollars Australian. The trouble wow. is, as far as I'm aware, and this may not be true, but as far as I'm aware, it got sold to Ferdinand Pierre, oh. who was the ex chairman of the Volkswagen Group, who was basically the overlord who re- revised Bugatti. So, would he have paid for it? 
surely not. Like, oh, this is all making me very disappointed. It was very disappointing for me that they put the like. If they want to do it as a styling exercise, fine. If they want to do it as a, if they want to sell it, fair enough. You know, yeah, I can see that. As, but, but actually, sell it. But to say it in the press conference, oh, we sold this car for this much money, and now it's the most expensive. Yeah. It. It came across as a word that rhymes with banker and starts yeah. with W. Yes. So. Yeah, and yeah. you can listen to the so after just, hours. <laughs> just came across a bit tasteful. <laughs> yeah, it's and that inner word, not the B slash W yeah. word. Yeah, tasteless is exactly the yeah. word that the, I would love to sum Obnoxious, Andy put it as, and I think that's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah, and are, are we living in an age now where there is just too much bluster and hype surrounding these car launches? And do we are we, the journalists and the media, allowing them to get away with it by... Yeah, possibly. I mean, a lot of people have, you know, Instagrammed the Bugatti and said, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. But I want to talk quickly about a car from Koenigsegg called the Yesco, mm. because that's another one of these super-duper hypercars, which is sort of unrealistic. But whereas the Bugatti was just kind of like a rebodied Chiron, the Yesco, at least, Koenigsegg do try and actually, like, pioneer the, pioneer these technologies. They had the Regera, which had this weird direct drive system in it that got rid of a gearbox, and now they've got this thing called a lightning speed transmission, which is essentially a double-clutch gearbox, but instead of being able to only choose one gear adjacent, so if mm. in gear three, it's, it can basically choose any gear in the gearbox instantaneously. That's brilliant. Which is really clever. So Because that's always been the problem with dual clutches. Can I get clutches. really quickly? Oh, please do. Yeah, okay. oh, look, you're, you're asking the right guy. <clears throat> yeah. Scotty, come on. So a dual clutch basically can only select, it can have another gear ready, but say you're in fourth gear. It can only select either fifth or third, depending on whether you're accelerating or decelerating. But this thing, it has multi-plate clutches in it. I don't quite know exactly how it works, uh, but it's got multi-plate clutches in it. So the computer realizes um, from your engine speed and road speed what gear it would need to deliver maximum acceleration. So if you're cruising along in ninth, ninth gear, it's a nine-speed transmission, ninth, but it knows that it needs third if you floored it, it will have third ready. So when you select that gear, it will select the paddle, it goes bang, third gear, immediately from ninth, and off you go. Mm. Rather so than having to shuffle down nine, eight, seven, six, five, People four, driving this car are going to be swallowing teeth, aren't they? That is yeah. going to be so brutally Well, fast. it has 1,600 horsepower on E85 fuel, so... That, that gearbox sounds like witchcraft to me. It yeah, totally is, isn't it? They also did try something really interesting with the Yesco. Uh, they put the wing on backwards, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> move. <laughs> Google it if you haven't seen it, because or it does look a you're, little odd. You're quite welcome to use any search engine on oh, the yes, internet. Sorry. It doesn't have There's to be so much surprise Jeeves, I think, yes. is still yes. around. There's so much interesting tech in there. Like, because they got that massive wing and it's got so much downforce on it, they've had to put another horizontal spring in the car to keep it stable under wow. maximum aerodynamic load, which is wow. really clever. Um, so the spring compresses as the load, aerodynamic load goes on it to keep the ride height stable so it can still corner properly so it doesn't just press itself into the ground. Um, another thing is they've got these massive turbos to give it so much horsepower. So they've got a little compressed air tank which fires compressed air into the turbos to keep them spinning. It's like a form yes. of anti-lag but yeah. without the fuel. Volvo does something similar as well, but it, so it spins up the turbos and off you go, instant response. I'm, I, I like everything you just said about that car, apart yeah. from the air compressed air anti lag. So you make basically we don't get fireworks, we don't get all the bang bang. No, you don't get the. What's the point? Oh come on, there's other cool things about it. <laughs> there's plenty. I just said I like everything else you said, apart from anti lag that's quiet and uses oh, nice. It's got to be such a little air. rain cloud, don't you, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> sure, it would be really interesting. Everyone's going to be tuning in to Witch Car Weekly if there's three guys in the room who just get along and agree on everything. Scott, <laughs> do we have time? I to disagree talk about, that that would happen. Do we have time to talk about one more, maybe more realistic car? We do. We the have, Honda e prototype. 
Uh, oh yes, oh, let's yes. talk about that. The, the most disappointing car of Geneva. Yes, yeah. the one that everyone looked at it and went, "Oh, it looks like a an early Golf or you know." A Skoda Fabia. Tim yes. Robson looked at it and said it looked like Wally. Um, so sorry, uh, Ava from Wally, the yeah. movie Wally. Uh, anyway, the so they had this one, yes. really sexy prototype. I don't know when it came out last year. Last, was it a year ago? Last year, yeah. yeah or was it, it was, Tokyo? I no, think it was Tokyo. It was, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it anyway, super yeah. cool. You know, went, oh, wow, that's a cool little EV city car kind of thing. And Please, then, Honda, build it exactly like that. Yeah. And then they didn't. Uh, no. But <laughs> this is, what was so disappointing about it was, is they confirmed they were going to build yeah. a production version of it. And the car, if you don't know the car we're talking about, then do go online and find this car and find images because it looked like... Like Volkswagen would have been absolutely seething because it looked like mm. a, uh, an homage to the Mark One Golf. Yeah, it was so beautifully proportioned. It had a really nice stance. Had cool sort of like we- um, arch filling wheels. It just and then the the version that is, for me, it's the most disappointing in many years version, a production version of a concept that I've seen. Yeah, because, good. I mean that's the thing. It's still quite clever and it's well packaged and stuff like that. Yeah. But it it's lost now on like so much. yeah, it lost, it, it's now on like eleven inch wheels and it looks yeah. like a. And it's, and it's lost the fat arches and we're not talking like you know when you, you, you see a concept and it comes out it doesn't have the, the cameras instead of door yes. mirrors and it doesn't have you know posh yeah. door handles we're talking about the very soul of the con- concept is gone yes absolutely like Audi is good at delivering concepts that look pretty yeah. like their yeah. uh, sorry CT. production cars that look like quite yeah. like their concepts but whereas Honda haven't but hopefully it'll still be quite a cool car you know they're bringing a bringing a car to market that's sort of relevant in the EV space so mm, it might yeah maybe do we have to move on or we've we got time um well if there's anything else notable from the Geneva show that Chris is poised he's looking at his notes like he desperately wants to talk about something else before the list is so long I wrote yeah, about yeah. so many things that I actually started mixing up which car had which engine or which car didn't have an engine so hang on they launched a car that didn't have an engine well electric cars electric cars oh I see right you know motors I guess if you like what about the Aston Martins you you guys really hate electric motors so much you're not even calling them engines (laughs) well they're not engines it's a form of engine. It's a form of propulsion. I suppose. I shouldn't get into an argument with an engineer, should I? No, probably not. <laughs> no, because they're the easiest people. They just keep talking after they shut up because they're really shy. It's great. <laughs> yes, shy is a word. Quickly run us through the Aston Martin. <laughs> okay, so the Aston Martins were exciting because they basically revealed three cars, one of which will actually be a production car. And the, the so the, the they started with... You know, the Valkyrie, it's actually a real thing now. There's a car on stage. And then they brought, they have this concept 003, which was supposed to be their mid-engine type of car, which was coming up. It would be a limited edition run. And that one still has the same name, basically. But it's a uh, it's a hybrid V6. So they brought back an, their own hybrid V6, which is kind mm. of interesting. Um, they haven't revealed specifications for it or anything yet, but they've been working with um, Cosworth on the Valkyrie and Red Bull F1 on the on the uh, hybrid systems mm-hmm. and all of that. so Yeah, it'd be interesting because they're sort of chasing LaFerrari sort of performance yeah. out of this thing. They're going to make 500. Uh, turbo V6 will be interesting because Ferrari are about to make a turbo V6 as well. So yes. six cylinders are back. They really are. But, yeah. We're down to fours and then threes and then half cylinders. Half and then Just a half a cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> but also they revealed uh, another car which looks a lot like the 003, uh, which has a pretty familiar badge, the Vanquish. Um, yeah. It's the Vanquish, the Vanquish Vision concept it's very easy to say yes yes absolutely so yeah that's going to come in 2021 it's kind of their baby supercar and off we go and that's going to actually be a production car we do have to move on but if you are dead keen to hear even more about geneva show cars then do tune in next week because we will have the fabulous andy enright back and he will be able to fill us in with all of the Mm. extra stuff that we didn't have time to talk about if you haven't tuned in to channel 10 on sunday afternoons 
and if you're a regular listener, you know exactly what I'm going to say, which car is on television and you can catch every glorious moment from the various presenters as we talk about and show you all of the things that we've been doing throughout the week on which car television Channel 10, Sunday afternoons, 4pm. Or is it 3.30 this week? I think it th- might be 3.30 this week. Yeah, that thought was spinning in the works, didn't it? It did, didn't it? I was going so well to then. Um, on this week's show, we have a triple supercar uh, test, all of them convertibles. Um, and if that is just a little bit too much fun for you, then you can watch about EV mega tests. Are you saying EVs aren't fun, Dan? <laughs> you knew I was, you knew I was lining you up for that one. <laughs> There is, ah. there is a hydrogen-powered car in it as well. So uh, that is which car on Channel 10 Sunday afternoons every week, apart from last week when it wasn't on. But yep. most weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Scott, you absolute bitch. Can you tell this is recorded on Friday afternoon? <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, it definitely is. And it's I've just sat in traffic for four hours to get here because, yes, it was, this was recorded on a Friday afternoon before a public holiday and it is a nightmare out there. So uh, one of the best ways to pass time in the car is to tune into your favourite podcast, Rich Car Weekly. Scott, you've been doing something really, really great that made me turn quite a deep shade of green with envy uh, because you've been travelling around in two two fabulous, very, very expensive coupes from British manufacturers. Yes, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago we had a couple of emails from uh, Aston Martin and Bentley who offered us their latest machines that are in town just before the Grand Prix. Grand Prix time is always a good time to book cars because every manufacturer brings their fleet to town for various VIPs. Um, So Aston had the DB11 AMR, which is kind of their hardcore DB11, and Bentley had their latest Continental GT, and we happened to line them up on the same day. So he asked nicely, we're like, would you mind if we awfully did a feature comparing these two lovely British 12-cylinder GTs? And they said, no. Why not? Because they don't loan cars for comparative purposes, which is sadly a growing issue. I won't say it's a problem. Increasingly common. No, if it's a problem, let's say it's a problem. It started with Ferrari. They never did Comparos. Now it's Lambo, it's McLaren, it's Aston Martin, it's Bentley. Basically, none of the premium manufacturers anymore want to be compared to their rivals. All right, well, let's do this, Scott. This is the very reason you and I put together Which Car Weekly. Its yeah. mantra is to be irreverent and to break the mould of conventional motor journalism. Let's compare the Aston and the Bentley. Why not? <laughs> uh, the idea, Funnily enough, the feature wasn't actually necessarily a direct comparo because they are very different cars. We've got a, a sportified DB11, and then we've got a massive, big luxury. So it was more going to look at the cars, you know, two different, very two different, very different approaches to the question of the British GT. Mm. Um, and having driven them now, a comparison is almost irrelevant in the sense that if you want one, you don't want the other. Like if you want the Bentley, because it's a very hushed, refined, comfortable tourer, the Aston is still quite... A good tourer, the ride is quite good, but it loves to shout. It's got these mad new V12 noise, cool. and it's much more dynamic. It wants to be driven hard, whereas the Bentley does everything it can to uh, distance you from that involvement of driving hard. Having ridden in the Bentley and heard the Aston, I they have very different characters just yeah, from a first impression. Yeah, and they have very different manners and they have very different customers mm. and they have very different approaches to the whole the whole process of building and producing and marketing cars. Exactly. So yep. I, it really infuriates me when you hear any manufacturer saying, we aren't going to give you a car to do a comparison because it does two things. One, it says we are greater than thou. Yes. Um, and it also says we're scared. Yes. You know, when Ferrari say, we don't want you comparing this car to a Lamborghini, what it says... 
and you don't even need to read between lines. It says, oh, Lamborghini might be a bit better than this. Yes, we're worried that yeah. we, will, we will lose. So perhaps a little confidence would go a long way here and just say, sure, yeah. compare it to whatever you like. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Surely Bentley knows that no one's cross-shopping with an Aston Martin DB11 AMR. So if you say that the Aston Martin is probably the better driver's car, but the Bentley is the more comfortable, big luxury thing, mm. that shouldn't upset Bentley because they know that's what they're selling. They're not selling a car that's a hardcore driving machine. 100%. You- Totally. And yeah, so they needn't worry about a thing. And yet there is this... Under- and as you say, it's, it is increasingly a yeah. thing that these brands do. What is what is the end game? You know, Ford saying, I'm sorry, we don't want you comparing this to, to a Holden. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course we're not going to... We're never going to get to that point. But perhaps if we give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Yeah. So I we know. need to make a stand well, that's now. that's the question here. Yeah, do, do we... We did wonder whether it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But in this case, it was a case of we didn't really have the kilometres on the car to do a proper feature anyway so it was you know it was okay but there's been we have done that before we have just sort of suck it in the sea and then yes. <laughs> you deal with it later and if you want to support our anarchic movement in comparing cars <laughs> to other things that the manufacturer didn't want us comparing them, them to then tune in to which car on channel 10 on Sunday afternoon 4pm because we compare a Ferrari to two of its key rivals mm-hmm. and thereby maintaining the power yeah speaking of maintaining the power uh, gentlemen it is time to go we didn't get time to get around to talking about the SUV Olympics but if you are interested in what that's all about that is coming up in another episode of Which Car on your televisions as well I did manage to get a sneak peek at that uh, I just happened to be passing by at the, uh, yes. at the location, the secret location, and it yes. looked quite exciting. Chris was in a car far more exciting than any of the six cars we were driving in the SUV Olympics in a Honda Civic Type R. I did show up and say, bastard. can I join in? I might win. So <laughs> so the key is keep tuned to Witch Car Weekly. Keep tuned to Witch Car on Channel 10. And for everything else, you can go to our social media pages and you can find all of those links at witchcar.com.au. And in the meantime, do please drive safely. Try and keep all four contact patches in contact with the road. Mm. And until next week, when hopefully I return, or if not, then Scott can happily fill my boots again, then do stay very safe. My name has been Daniel Gardner, and this is Bitch Car Weekly. Bye-bye. Ta-ra. You, can you cut that bit off the end? Yeah. What about this bit? No, leave this in. <laughs>